Good morning. Wow, it is warm. And even for an African to say that, it is warm. But uh, a very good, good morning to you all uh, this morning. It's great to see you. It's great to be up here and uh, just be able to, to share God's Word with you this morning. I'm so excited about this Word. It's been brewing for a while, and I'm, I'm super excited uh, to, to be able to, to share this Word this morning. And uh, I just I want to say a couple of hellos. Uh, first of all, to the guys over in Rehoboth. Carol, uh, thank you uh, for, for leading there this morning and for overseeing. And uh, to all of you at Rehoboth, it's great to have you joining us. To all of you online, it's great to have you with us. Uh, one of my favorite people is in the congregation this morning, a young man, Matthew. Um, I'm not going to tell you who he is, but he, he is such an incredible young man with such a gift and a call of God on his life. And I'm super excited to see you here this morning, Matthew, and I just bless you. Uh, for, for your future. Um, sorry to embarrass you like that. Um, guys, it's just, it's, it's such a great privilege to be able to share the Word of God. Uh, I, have, I have been digging into this Word, and I feel like it, it's just, it's, it's life. You know, when we dig into the Word of God, life abounds. We heard Pastor Lyra talk about the, 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 the river that is teeming with life, and we heard James, our brother from uh, Nigeria share that, that, there is a, that there is a river and it's teeming with life. It's full of life. The river of God is full of life. We are full of life this morning because we have God in us, because we have said yes to His promises. And I just, I want to encourage you, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know God, if you have not made that decision, it is the best decision of your life because it will change your life. It will turn your life around. It will bring you freedom. And, and so I just want to encourage you this morning that as we, as we dig into God's Word, as we look at what, what God has said about uh, who He is and who He's called you to be, that, that your heart would respond in, in what we hear this morning. So I just want to quickly remind us of, of last week. Pastor Chris brought us a really great word from uh, the book of Hebrews, which is the, the faith book, and it, particularly chapter 11 talks about faith. And it's, it's kind of the, um, I can't remember the, the word, like archive of faith, not archive. It's the... the uh, Basically, hall, hall of faith. Yes, thank you. Um, and and it's, it, it just paints a, a picture. It reminds us of all of the, uh, the, the, the patriarchs and all of the, the men and women throughout the Word of God, throughout history, of men and women who, who put their faith in God and the, the amazing adventures that they got up to and the amazing experiences that they had and the things that, as a result of their lives, have changed our lives. And then, of course, we get Jesus, who is the ultimate man, and the ultimate one who then shows us how to enter the kingdom of God. All of the promises that the patriarchs painted pictures of, all of the promises and the prophetic words that the prophets of old showed us about, then are fulfilled in Jesus. He opens the gate for us to get into the kingdom and to live out these promises, to live out these prophetic words. And so I, I just want to remind us of uh, Pastor Chris's message that was 
give faith a chance. So if you haven't listened to that word, if you weren't here last week, go back and listen to that word. It's a really encouraging one, and I'm sure it will encourage you in your faith. So this morning, I'm going to speak uh, a little bit about a church from the first century, um, and it's the church in Philippi, right? And this was a, a, a fantastic congregation. It was a really vibrant, exciting congregation that very much was the gateway to Europe. And it was very much like we have been called Gateway Church, right? And we have so many prophetic words, and Pastor Chris, even this week, just reminded us of some of the prophetic words around who we are as a congregation. And, uh, you know, we've got, we've got these prophetic words saying we're a gateway to Wales. Uh, Abergavenny is the gateway to Wales. That's what we're known as as a town. And we as a church are, are, a, are called to be a gateway. And we are called as people to be gatekeepers, to be those who sit at the gate guarding the gate and welcoming people in to the kingdom of God through that gate. And so we, we, we're, we're privileged people to be able to recognize that we are a, a gateway people. And the, the church in Philippi was a gate as well. It was a gateway into Europe. And in fact, uh, the Bible records, records that the first uh, convert in Europe was from Philippi, the church in Philippi. So I'm, I'm going to paint us a picture and, and just give us a, a little bit of a background uh, to, to this church in, in Philippi. And it, it comes from the book of Acts in, in chapters 15 and 16. Uh, and I don't know if we've got any slides uh, to, to, to put this up. Um, apologies for the very small map uh, it, it looked bigger on my slides, but that's okay. Um, basically, this is a, a map that if you've got any kind of uh, illustrated Bible, this, this one's not, but if you've got an illustrated Bible, you'll often find some of these pictures. And this is a picture of Paul's journeys, his so-called missionary journeys of around uh, the known world at that time to, to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. And Paul, so I'm going to paint you this picture. I'm going to paint you a picture of some of the, the, the names of these people. So we're going to talk about Paul. We're going to talk about Timothy. We're going to talk about Silas. We're going to talk about Luke, all in 20, 19 minutes. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, you, you've got an hour, right? So... <laughs> We're going to talk a little bit about these people, and, and it's really exciting because these were real people. These were people like you and me. These were people who heard the good news of Jesus Christ and responded. Some of them were Jews, and they had a history of knowing about God. Some of them knew God through the, through the, 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 the stories that were inherent in the Jewish culture, in the Hebrew culture. Some of them knew about God through stories they'd heard. So, so some of these men uh, and women were, were Jewish. And some of these men and women were what the Bible calls Gentiles, which is basically you and me. Those who were not Jewish were, were people who are outside of the Jewish nation. But God says there is no 
Jew or Gentile anymore. He loves us all, and He wants us all to come into a saving relationship with Him. So He's saying basically to you guys, just like He said to them, there's an open door. So as Gentiles, some of us have responded to the good news, and some of these guys responded to the good news. But we read about them in the Bible, right? We, 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 we go to the book of Acts, and the book of Acts is such an exciting book. It kind of paints pictures of uh, heroism and adventure and excitement and a lot of attack and opposition and perse- uh, persecution. It talks a little bit about people's journeys as individuals and people's journeys as congregations. And we can draw parallels from the book of Acts about our day-to-day lives. These were not people that are unrelatable to us. These are people that we can see our lives described in the Word of God. Because the things that the Word of God talks about are not just history. They're not just something of the past. They're not just something unattainable. These men and women who did amazing things that we read about in Scripture are just normal people like you and me. Okay, maybe you're not normal. I'm pretty normal. Maybe you're spectacular. Maybe you're supernatural. And that's great. But me, I'm just a normal Joe, normal stew, right? And, and I, I live my life normal, but I'm inspired when I read the Word of God and see these men and women who lived lives of faith, who lived lives of action. These were men and women of action. They put action behind their faith. They acted on their faith. They acted on what they believed. They acted on the promises of God. They put power into what they believed, and they changed the world. In fact, part of what we're going to see this morning in, in Philippi, so Philippi is, I don't know if we've got it up here. Philippi is, yes, lovely up there. It's, it's that circled little town up there in, in, in the middle of Europe somewhere, just kind of north in the Aegean Sea. You can recognize Italy because it's the boot, right? That's the only really place that I can recognize on a map because it's the boot. And so, so basically, we've got, we've got Paul and Silas and Luke and Timothy, and they're following this red line that you probably can't see, and they're going to Philippi. They get the call from God to go to Philippi. And Philippi is a largely non-Jewish place, right? There's not much going on there in terms of Jewish history, in terms of Jewish experience, in terms of Jewish people, in terms of Jewish culture. They really don't know anything about Judaism, and therefore, they don't know anything about the God of the Jews, okay? The Almighty God, the King of Kings, the the, the Creator God, And so Paul and his team are coming with a fresh message to people who don't know God, who have no background, sound familiar? Who have no experience, who have no point of contact with God. And so they're coming with a fresh message. And the amazing thing is, when they get to Philippi, There are three, the book of Acts, in particular chapter 16, sort of references three main events, three main things that happen 
in this town of Philippi. The first thing is that we see them witnessing. They come in, they look for a synagogue, right? Because that's the first thing that a Jew does when he comes into a town, into a new place. Like Paul, he's going to look for a synagogue. Is there a synagogue? Is there a place of worship where, where Jewish people are worshiping? Okay, because where there's a synagogue, there's Jews. Where there's Jews, they're worshiping the, the God, right? Their God, the God of the Hebrew people, the God who is the true God. And so he's coming in and he's looking for a synagogue and he's like, okay, no synagogue. Where's the next best place to go? A river. A river. Why? Because in those days, a lot of activity happened at a river. You had to go and fetch your water from a river. You had to go and bathe in the river. The river was a cool place. Like most of you today are probably going to go out to the Usk because it's a cool place. It's a great place to go and relax. It's a great place to go and chill out. It's a great place to go and have a picnic. Am I building it up yet? Are you all going to the Usk? <laughs> You're going to go down to the river because it's a great place to, to get together with people. So Paul and Silas and Luke and and Timothy, off they go to the river. And they find a load of people down at the river. And they begin to talk to these people. Obviously, they've got maybe a foreign accent, kind of like me, kind of like April. Our accents are, are cool. And so people are like, where are you from? What is your accent? Barry's got a great accent. Barry will go anywhere. And people are like, oh, I like your accent. I love your accent, Barry. It's fantastic. And you, too, you command a room. It's fantastic. So we're attracted to accents. So these people down at the river, right, they're probably attracted to this four-man team of, of, of weirdos, strangers, newbies. And, and they're hearing these accents, and they're like, who are you? What are you doing here? How did you get here? What are what, what, what you doing? And they were like, well... We're, we're here because we have a message for you. The message is life. The message is truth. The message is there was this guy named Jesus who is the son of God. And he, he came and he shared this message. He shared his life with us. But then he was crucified. But you know what? He didn't stay dead. On the third day after being buried, he, raised from, he was raised from the grave. He's alive. And then later on, he ascended into heaven. Excuse me, he ascended into heaven and he's alive and he's with the Father and he's calling you to have life and life eternal with him. Do you know what's going to happen after you die? And they're like, no. no. And so Paul's like, well, let me tell you, you're going to one of two places. You're either going to be eternally with the Father or you're going to be eternally without the Father because there's no middle ground. And they're like, oh okay, well, I don't like the idea of being without God. What, what must I do to be saved? And Paul's like, well, believe in Jesus. And there was this woman named Lydia. Okay, we can go to that next slide. Oh, fantastic. They're witnessing. So there's, there's, there's Paul. Okay, believe it or not, that's Paul in this lovely painting. And this young lady here, her name's Lydia. She was a, a garment seller. Um, she, was quite, she was quite well known. She was influential in the community. And she's like, I hear this, and my heart says this is true, what you're telling me. And there's something, my heart is suddenly starting to beat really fast in my chest because I'm hearing truth come out of your mouth. And I don't want to spend eternity away from God. 
And I don't want my family to spend eternity without God. And so, you said your name was Paul, right? Paul, I I want to know God. And Paul says, great. Well, let me introduce you. His name's Jesus. He's He's the doorkeeper. He's the gateway. He's the entrance to a relationship with God. And she says, yes! I know, I know, I know him. I can feel him. I can, I can, I, I know. And, 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 and she says, oh, something's changed in my heart. I can just feel that there's, there's a lightness that wasn't there a moment ago. Kids, kids, come, come. Hear this message. I, can't, I don't know what her husband's name was. Husbands, come. Hear this message. And they come, and the Bible tells us that Lydia and her household were saved that day. Lydia and her household were saved that day. On that day, heaven rejoiced because some new names, the Bible says, were added to the Lamb's book of life. There is a book in heaven. It's known as the Lamb's Book of Life. And when you say yes to Jesus, when you enter a relationship with Him, when you say, Jesus, I believe that you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords, my Savior. I believe that I am a sinner that has no hope of eternal life on my own without you. And so I choose to recognize you today. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of those things that have held me back. Forgive me of the, the, the unrighteousness, the filth that I have lived in, the things that have plagued my mind, the depression, the fear, the anxiety, the anger, the hate, the rejection. I, I put those things aside and I receive life from you. And at that moment, her name was written In the Lamb's Book of Life, God, Almighty God, said, I hear that you are saved. Name Lydia. In the Lamb's Book of Life, forever, forever and ever and ever, her name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And when she died on this earth, she went to be with her her, her God, her, her Creator, the one who saved her. And today, she is still there, and she is worshiping, and she is hallelujahing. And every time somebody on earth says, I do to God, she's celebrating because the Bible says there is a celebration in heaven when somebody comes to God. And so Lydia and her family were saved that day. Amazing. No different to you. She worked. She had a family. She had struggles, she had difficulties, but she heard the gospel. She heard the good news. She responded because she knew, like she knew, like she knew it was true. And she became a believer. She became a a Christian that day. So that was the first thing that the book of Acts in chapter 16 sort of talks about in Philippi, the first amazing thing that happened. The Bible records her and her family as being the first converts in Europe, right? They were the first people who became Christian in Europe. So now Paul's got a little following, right? At least Lydia and her family. We don't know who else said yes to to God after that. Uh, in, 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 down at the river, 
right? Don't, don't have the real. There's, we don't know who else, but we do know that at least Lydia and her family. So now Paul and Timothy and Silas and Luke, they've got a little following. So they're going around Philippi, they're going around the streets, they're telling people about Jesus. And there's the slave girl who begins to follow them. Now she was, uh, she, she, she was a slave girl, she was basically quite a, um, a, a money trap for her owners because she, was, she had this gift of, of divination. She had this gift of being able to foretell the future Unfortunately, her gift was inspired by a demon. So she was tormented by this demon. Yes, she had these amazing gifts. Yes, she had these amazing skills. But they were demonically inspired. They were not inspired by God who is truth. And so anything that this girl shared was tainted. It brought death. It didn't bring life. And so we read about her in the book of Acts in chapter 16. She's, she's following Paul and Luke and Silas and Timothy and Lydia and her family and probably a couple of other people who had said yes to God. And she's saying, you know, these people are telling you about the most high God. Well, why? Well, obviously, the demons know about God. They're not stupid. In fact, they're probably, I read this on Facebook the other day, and you can only believe certain things on Facebook, but it was quite good. The devil and his demons are actually better theologians than you are, right? They know the Bible far better than you ever could. But just because they know the Bible doesn't mean they're saved. Anybody can read this book and know it. Only if you respond to the truth of what this book talks about, in other words, who Jesus is, can you be saved. So she's following these guys. She's saying, oh, this is... These guys are telling you the truth. They're telling you about the one true God. There is no other God. You may have your gods, but only these men are talking about the one true God. And Paul's like, oh, shut up. In Jesus' name, get out of her. And immediately what happens? That demon leaves her because nothing can stand at the name of Jesus. And she is set free. She is freed from this demon. I'm sorry, Alad, I didn't mean to break your sound desk. Now, what happens? That, that's supernatural, right? There's, there's something miraculous about that. Because when this woman was delivered... She was released from a demon, and a demon... You know, it, it's, it's, it's a nasty thing. And she would have like, whoa, what, what just happened? What just, what just happened? And of course, now this demon has left her, so she's got none of those, those spiritual, supernatural insights anymore, the, the empowering of that demon. And so her, her, her bosses, her, her owners, her slave masters say, Paul, you've just cost us our living. She was earning us good money. Gods, arrest these men. And so what happens? Yeah, Paul and Silas get arrested and thrown into jail. Why? Because they knew the truth. 
because they wouldn't, they wouldn't just let somebody who was being bound by the demonic just wander off. They said, no, there's a truth. Jesus showed us how to deal with this. Jesus showed us that we don't just talk a good talk, we walk a good walk. And he said, I'm not prepared to let this woman live in bondage anymore. So he drove that demon from her. He set her free so that she could have a clear mind to make a decision for herself. But of course, now Paul's in trouble because he's done the right thing and he gets arrested along with Silas. So now we see... Yeah, um, Ken, if you can skip to the next slide, please. So now we see Paul and Silas in prison. And Paul and Silas are living in this prison. They're, they're, they're in this prison, but do you think they're quiet? No ways. Because they're like, okay, it's just another day. I may not be on the outside being able to share the truth of who God is, but we're, we're, we're stuck here. We've got nothing better to do And so, let's worship, let's praise, let's pray, let's intercede, let's engage with God and see what God is saying, what God is doing. Let's ask Him for this nation, let's ask Him for this town, let's ask Him for salvation, let's ask God to invade this place. We're, We're literally, we're in shackles. We cannot do anything else. We're stuck at home in COVID. Sound familiar? Right? You may not have been under house arrest, but you kind of were. We couldn't go out. We couldn't do anything. One hour a day walking. What are you doing the rest of the day, for those of you who were stuck at home? Well, Paul and Silas tell us, let's, let's pray. Let's intercede. Let's see what God is saying in this time. Let's take this opportunity of our incarceration and figure out what God is saying. What is he doing? Let's praise him. And so they are. They're literally, they're praising God despite their circumstances. Are you having a difficult time at the moment? Are you going through struggles at the moment? Are you stuck somewhere? Has age caught up with you and you're feeling it in your body? Has sickness caught up with you and you're feeling it and you can't get out? Are your circumstances causing you to be in a season where you feel like you're isolated? My friends, pray and praise and worship. Put some action in your faith. Put some, what do they say? Pedal to the metal and rev that engine of faith. Rev that engine of faith. Call out to God in your hour of need. Cry out to Him and praise Him. And what does the Bible say? They were worshiping. And suddenly there was an earthquake that caused the prison doors to fall off their hinges and the shackles on their hands to drop, to, drop, to fall They were free. Right? The head of the prison guards wakes up from a start. He's like, what's going on? Oh my goodness. 
the door's fallen off. I'm going to be in such trouble because these prisoners have probably escaped. And Paul and Silas say, dude, don't freak out. We're still here. Yes, the door's open. Yes, our shackles have fallen off, but we're still here. And you know what? Their integrity was evident to this jailer, and he's like, I don't get it. What must I do to be saved? How did he know that that's what they were talking about? Because he'd heard them in the streets. He'd heard the message. He knew what they were doing. He probably heard them all night long singing and praising God in the cell. He already knew the message that they were sharing. And he's like, what must I do to have faith like yours, despite the whippings, despite the beating? Because before they were put in prison, the Bible says they were whipped, they were beaten, and they were put into prison. He possibly did the whipping and the beating. And he's like, I I don't get it. What must I do to be saved? And right there, they lead him to Christ. They share with him the good news that he was hungry for. And his household also was saved. Amazing. Amazing. That all happened in Acts. Right. How much time do I have left, Pastor Chris? (laughs) Don't answer that. That all happened in Acts chapter 16. Really, really exciting. Now, fast forward the clock. Ten years. Paul and Silas and Timothy have... They've left Philippi, right? So they left Philippi in the hands of Luke, the guy who wrote the gospel according to Luke, okay? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. He wrote Luke. So they they left Luke in Philippi as the senior pastor. So they left Pastor Chris in Gateway Church, and they moved on. And Pastor Chris, Luke, raised up the church in Philippi, began to just share with them his experiences of, of Jesus, of, the, of the, the, the apostles, of the history of, of the Jewish nation, the stories that, that, that had become part of his story. So Luke was, a, Luke was a, a Greek. He was a Hellenistic Jew. So he had converted to Judaism as a Greek and then had become a believer when he heard the good news about Jesus. So he became a Christian. So his journey was interesting. Greek to Jew to Christian. Sounds like a lot of us, right? We, we kind of meander until we find the truth. God's like, okay, whatever it takes, just get there. So now, 10 years later, Paul's a little older, a little bit wiser, has had more experiences, has been beaten a whole lot more, has been thrown in prison a whole lot more, has had his life threatened a whole lot more, has, on that map that you no longer see, has done a lot more traveling, has been in a lot more shipwrecks and all sorts of things. He's lived life in the next 10 years. And, and now, in, in, in the book of Philippians, um, the letter to the church in Philippi, we see Luke, uh, sorry, we see uh, Paul, like I say, 10 years on from the founding of the church in Philippi, and he's in prison. Big surprise. 
right? He's in Rome in prison. This is the second time he's been in prison in Rome. The first time he was under house arrest. This time he's actually in prison prison. He's been beaten to within an inch of his life, and he's about to be executed, right? He's been tried, and he's been found guilty, and he's about to be executed. And he writes to the church in Philippi. He's like, this is probably the last chance that I'm going to be able to write to you because I'm probably going to be dead before this letter even gets to you. But I'm going to write to you and just encourage you because, why? I remember 10 years ago the excitement of your salvation. And over these last 10 years, we've corresponded and we've heard your good news. We've heard the excitement in your letters that you've probably written to us. In fact, you sent your, one of your best elders. His name was Epaphroditus. You sent him when you heard that I was here in Rome in prison. And, and you're like, I know you need Epaphroditus in your congregation because he works hard and he serves on every committee and he's one of your, your, your faithful tithers and, and he's an incredible man. But you didn't say, well, Epaphroditus, you can't go to Paul. No, in fact, you said, go. Take all of this stuff and, and go and tend to Paul's need in Rome. Remember, he was there in Philippi. You remember that map because this is not a map that I'm pointing to. But there was a map with a red, red circle. And then over there in Italy, the boot, that was Rome. So they sent, they sent Epaphroditus, the church in Philippi, sends Epaphroditus to Rome to go and look after Paul. And while he's in Rome, while he's looking after Paul, he falls ill with probably, I don't know, plague or some awful disease. And the Bible actually says he was near death. And Paul's like, I know Epaphroditus has come and he's, in, he's shared with us your history, your last 10 years. He's told us the stories. He's shared with us your testimony. He's encouraged us while we're here in prison. I feel so blessed to have been at the start of your church. But I'm sending Epaphroditus back to you now because I want you to be encouraged with some of the things I've shared with him, and I want him to get better. So he sends Epaphroditus back to Philippi. And so we've got this We've got this, this experience that we're seeing people putting action to their faith, literally traveling across the known world for their brothers and sisters to bring encouragement. You know, Pastor Chris gets to travel and go and share the word in a lot of other churches and share with the leadership teams in a lot of other churches who are really struggling. And Pastor Chris doesn't come in and say, guys, I'm sorry to tell you it's so hard. Oh, woe is us. Pastor Chris comes in with an attitude of expectation and excitement and says, guys, the Bible says all things are possible for those who are in Christ Jesus. He says, God has called you to be the head and not the tail. In fact, one of the things that we heard this morning from Pastor Chris, and I, I, I think we heard it from possibly from Brother James that well-known scripture, and I'm going to leave it there with us. The well-known scripture from Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. You all know the scripture, I'm sure, and for those of you who don't, it says this. This is God speaking to us. And he says, for I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you. 
They are plans to prosper you and not to harm you. They are plans to give you a hope and a future. But you know what? The Bible doesn't stop there. Jeremiah didn't, didn't say that and then move on to the next thing. He finished that statement. And so many of us, so many of the times, just quote that verse, verse 11. But keep going and see what verse 12 says. Then you will call on me and will come and pray to me and I will hear and heed you. So you are blessed so that you can come to God, not so that you can then sit back and wait for God to do something. Just because he said, I have good plans for you, doesn't mean that those good plans are going to come to fruition unless you put action into your faith. Because that's what Pastor Chris preached on last week. Go back and listen to it. Give faith a chance. Put action into your faith. Take responsibility for your faith. Don't wait for the senior pastor. Don't wait. The people in, in, in Philippi didn't wait for Luke to teach them. They prayed. They encountered God. They had celebration evenings. They waited on God. They worshiped together. They explored all opportunities. They put action into their faith. How do we know that? Because Paul recounts that in his letters to the church of Philippi 10 years later. So Jeremiah goes on and he says in verse uh, uh, 12, Then you will call upon me, then you will come, and you will pray to me, and I will hear you. Verse 13, Then you will seek me. Seeking means you're putting action into an intention. You will inquire for me, and you will require me as a vital necessity, and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. When you seek God with all your heart, the good plans come to fruition. Good plans, good intentions never won a battle. Let me hear you say amen. Good intentions never won the battle. You have to put action to your faith. Verse 14 I will be found by you. So he's just said, you will seek me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. And I will release you from captivity and gather you from all the nations, etc., etc. When you seek God, when you put action into your faith. And I want to close with this from, from Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. Verse 12. This is Paul, remember, this is 10 years on from Paul's planting the church in Philippi. 10 years on from planting the church in Philippi. And he writes this to, to the brothers and sisters at the church. And he says, Therefore, my dear ones, as you have always obeyed, so now not only with the enthusiasm you, you, you would show in my presence, because he remembers the enthusiasm that they showed in his presence when he was with them. He remembered the excitement in Lydia's hallelujah when she became a Christian. He remembers the excitement in, in the God 
the, 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 the jailer, when he became a believer, he says, not only as you have obeyed in my presence, but much more because I am absent. In other words, they felt like their founding father was no longer with them. So, you know, Paul's not going to see me do this. Paul's not going to see me do that. I can do these things. I can, I can mess around. I can be lazy. No, he says, obey even though I'm not with you, what does it say? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Because you've received such a great gift, it needs work you've received the gift the gift was free now work out your salvation with fear and trembling just like Jeremiah said good plans the Lord says I have good plans for you but you must seek me you must seek me and you will find me and then all of these things will be added Jesus says it this way, seek first the kingdom and then all these things will be added to you. So then it says this in verse 13 of Philippians chapter 2. Not only in your own strength, for it is God who is all uh, who is all the while effectually at work in you energizing and creating in you the power and desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure <laughs> i love that scripture i love that verse because it says sometimes my will is going to fail sometimes I am going to get weak knees. Sometimes my hands are going to tremble. Sometimes my heart is going to fear. But God has given us one, the Holy Spirit. And he says, he will energize you to will and to do for God's good pleasure. Guys, let's, let's be those who please God. Let's make a choice today that we will be a people who will please God by allowing the Holy Spirit to energize us, to work in us, to put action in our faith. Let's be those like Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke and Lydia and the, the, the jailer. Let's be those who put action in our faith, who share, who witness, who perform supernatural tasks by the Holy Spirit, and who pray and worship and seek God. Let's be those people. Amen. Amen.
Amen. Amen. Come on, let's appreciate the Lord appreciates Stu.